0: That is five straight wins for your Detroit Tigers in a weird day with the Matt Manning situation and all that surrounding the game. Still being able to not only pull out a win, but not give up very much offense against the Kansas City Royals. Successful day. Fifth straight win, a win away from guaranteeing that we won't lose 100. We're going to talk about it today on Locked on Tigers. You are locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Benley. Today is Thursday, September 29th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your Every single day, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so as we said in the cold open, the Detroit Tigers win their fifth straight game, uh, winning game two of this series against Kansas City by a score of 2-1 to in Comerica Park. Uh, So right off the bat, we have some, I guess you'd call it drama with this game. Whatever, five minutes before the first pitch, we start having some drama with this one as Matt Manning, who was the scheduled starter in this game, does not take the mound. And instead, Will Vest takes the mound. And Matt Manning went through all of his pregame warm-up stuff. He went through his entire routine. And then it was time for him to take the mound, and they didn't. And Will Vest, who is notably a one-inning starter, took the mound instead. And the Tigers still, in a game in which that happened, win by a score of 2-1. to Really impressive showing. So we're going to start with the pitching because that was easily the highlight of the night. And, And look, this was not a perfect performance by any stretch. The Tigers gave up a lot of base runners. A lot. Two men on, bases loaded. It seemed like almost every single inning. Uh, they gave up 10 hits and one, two, three, four, five, six walks. They gave up 16 base runners. And yet only gave up one run, which is all that matters at the end of the day. So we will gladly take it. But this wasn't some masterclass. Oh my goodness, you know, that we didn't have our starter, and everybody went out there and, and just absolutely shoved. But everybody did get the job done. And like I said, that's really the important thing, and that's what matters at the end of the day. Will Vest, as we talked about, started this game, went one inning, three hits, one earned run, no walks, no Ks. Uh, you, you know, gave up a home run, what, five pitches into the game? I, 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 you know, I don't know, really. He's not a starter, and he had to start a game. And I know he still only pitched one inning, but, like, That's certainly not his comfort zone going out there and starting a baseball game. So given everything and given the fact that he gave up three hits, not a bad day at the office. Right. (laughs) Could have been worse. Certainly could have been worse. I don't know. Like he, he threw mostly the four seam fastball. I think he was just trying to guarantee himself that he was going to throw strikes and not throw 30 pitches in an inning and he ended up throwing 20 anyway. So it wasn't that effective, but I I don't know. Given the circum, like, I'm not going to be too hard on the dude. This was not what he signed up for when he woke up this morning. He thought he was just normal will vest and no five minutes before first pitch. He's asked to just get thrown into the fire. Kind of, I don't know. I'm not going to be too critical of his performance, but Uh, got out of the inning with only one run given up. So I guess we'll take it. Daniel Norris then follows him, goes two innings, one hit, no earned runs, no walks, and one strikeout. This is where I think Daniel Norris, the rest of his professional career, is going to fall in this, well, not this specific, but I I think this role will be his role going forward wherever he he ends up with his, the future of his baseball career, I think that piggybacking off the starter and that kind of long middle relief role where maybe your starter gets punched in the mouth early. You need someone to carry you from the third or fourth inning into the back end of the bullpen. Uh, You know, starter gets hurt. Something like this happens or just, you know, high pitch count. Dude gets pulled after four, maybe even five innings and Daniel Norris can go out there and give you two innings and kind of be the bridge reliever as I like to call it so I I think that that's probably his role going forward he was pretty effective in this one he missed he mixed his pitches very well which I was pretty impressed with but you know nothing uh nothing crazy in his performance but again got the job done only allowed one base runners runners runner so kudos to Daniel Norris Garrett Hill Then pitches the two innings after that. Gives up two hits, no earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. This was a pretty hit-or-miss performance from him. No pun intended, except actually very intended, because that's literally what we're talking about. Uh, Very fastball heavy. But... Like got, got a surprising amount of whiffs in two innings. That's seven whiffs in just two innings. Was really effective with the swing and miss stuff. The four seam fastball, especially. Again, we, we talk about all the time. Once you get more comfortable, that fastball, you kind of get more comfy throwing it up in the zone, and that can lead to swings and misses. That's exactly what we saw on this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh yeah, I, I was I was pretty impressed. Left command was shaky at times. Left a change up over. They got a little too much of the plate. And uh, then a a couple, I think two fastballs that really were not anywhere near where he wanted them and caught too much of the play and got hit pretty hard. But besides that, you know, the only thing was just the walks and and then the swing and miss stuff led to three strikeouts and two innings, which is obviously a great number. So not a bad performance by him either. Very solid, again, solid enough. It it was just, it was consistently throughout this entire game, we're going to let a few base runners on, but then, oh, we're going to get out of it, and we're going to have two men on and one out, and then we're going to get out of it, and we're going to have the bases loaded with two outs, and we're going to get out of it. It was very consistent and reoccurring theme the entire inning. Like I said, Royals had 16 base runners and only scored one run. So good clutch pitching. Uh, in an ideal world, you would like you know, them not to get on base in the first place, but still very, very impressive uh, nonetheless, uh, given this situation to, to do what they did and uh, string together an outing in which they only gave up one run. I, I will gladly take that. All of these dudes deserve a ton of credit, kind of all out of their element except for the back-ending guys. Really, really impressive outing. Chris Fetter, obviously, we, we sing his praises all the time. Uh, in my eyes, the the one of, if not the best pitching coach in the game of baseball. So, yeah, whole staff, players, coaching staff, management, everybody deserves a ton of credit for this performance, kind of being able to – string this together in a meaningless end of the season week left in the season September game for for the between the Tigers and Royals still being able to to do this and have an effective night is very impressive. Uh Jose Cisnero then pitched in this one. The, I mean this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about man. <laughs> like he 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 struggles so much where he can't even get out of the inning and yet his ERA still goes down. Like that, I I can't describe it. I can't explain it anymore. It's just that's been Jose Cisnero this season. He almost threw 30 pitches, only recorded two outs, gave up two walks and a hit, but had a strikeout. And then Chafin came in and got the final out, and didn't uh, didn't cause any earned runs against himself, obviously, or Jose Cisnero. And that's just been what Cisnero has been doing, kind of all year. Not maybe not this dramatically, but th- this has kind of been his story: is just Ben don't break. And credit, he hasn't broke very often. ERA is one, two, three. Count on me. You know what I mean? Like that—that's impressive, obviously. But I, I don't know. It's not uh not not a very do- dominant. At, certainly not. And uh, would like to see the old Chafin, Chafin, Cisnero. I miss the old Jose Cisnero. I really do. And and there have been some outings this year where we've seen it too. So I don't want to make it sound like it's just been a whole, like, again, he has a one, two, three, RA. That's not bad, obviously. And and there's been some glimpses. It's just, it's very not consistent in the last week or so. It certainly hasn't been consistent. Uh, We'll get into the last two alex lang and gregory, gregory that's his name soto uh right after i tell y'all about our friends over at blue chew blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the, that delivers the same active ingredients as viagra and cialis but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost you can take them anytime day or night so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in the line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from an extra confidence boost when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back here to segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day, free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. You know the drill. Last two pitchers that pitched in this two to one victory for your Detroit Tigers were Alex Lang and Gregory Soto. Alex Lang in this one gave up a couple of base runners, but then was able to tightrope his way out of danger much like literally everybody else that pitched in this game for the Detroit Tigers. Now, the weird thing, weird is maybe too dramatic of a word, but the intriguing part of Alex Lang's performance was not the command slipping up for a couple of batters. That's something that we have seen a lot from him this year and something he's going to have to tighten up going forward. The thing is, he threw the change up a boatload, and that's not something we've really seen all year. We've seen outings in which he's been very sinker-heavy because it's one of the best sinkers in the game of baseball. He has a plethora of times, a a lot this season, more times than anything else. We've seen him throw the curveball more than any other pitch in an outing because it is arguably the most unhittable curveball in the game of baseball when looking at how often it's swung and missed at. The changeup... We haven't really seen him just go out there and throw a ton of change-ups. Eight of his 15 pitches, over half of his pitches in this outing, were all the change-up. And it's a nasty pitch, and I love it. And he got two swings and misses on it, and it was beautiful. But it, it was it was new to me. It wasn't something I really expected. And as I was watching it, 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 it moved me. It moved me. And I was like, wow, that's a, that I kind of like that. Get people out on their front foot. Maybe they're, they're thinking sinker. Okay, well, we're going to throw the change up, which is what, seven, eight miles an hour lower in, geez, I just forgot the word, pitch velocity. Goodness, I, I don't know why I forgot the word velocity there. Um, we'll, we'll take a little bit of, of gas off of it, throw it kind of similar-ish movement, but much slower, get people off on their front foot. Maybe they're sitting curveball this is a little more straight maybe i can get some called strikes with it i like the idea of it i like the idea of it and again the command was really not there in this one and that was the the biggest thing hindering him from a, a perfect inning i'm you know two base runners not great but i liked it and i would like to see him experiment with stuff like that for the last week of the season because why not let's just see what what else we can do with your crazy unbelievable stuff alex lang and then gregory soto Closes the door. He looked absolutely fantastic, which, like, of course he did because that's just how Gregory Soto is. So, uh, yeah, he he looked unbelievable. The sinker was the the pitch that was, as usual, the most thrown. It was very effective. It didn't even get put in play. And it got whiffed three times in, in, in an inning, right? He threw the sinker three times. Sorry, he threw the sinker six times, three of those times, were swings and misses, uh, lethal, lethal pitch, very effective. Was dotting it too? Got two called strikes on the sinker. I mean, it was pretty much unhittable. So, very effective outing, very efficient outing, which is not something we get to say very often when talking about Greg. And yeah, he he was awesome, and he put the bow on a fantastic display by this pitching staff. Uh, a, a performance where, again. None of these dudes at the beginning of the game signed up for this, and yet they went out there and and gave up base runners. The the whole team, really, Ben, don't break. That was kind of the motto. That's what everybody did, and, and big ups because that's not a very easy thing to do and, and to have that mindset and just be able to go out and, and do that and only give up a run and, and that type of situation is very difficult. So big props to everybody. Like I said, staff, coaches, management, players, obviously the biggest tip of the cap. Great performance. Cool moment at the end of the season. Uh, Offensively. Now, this is where the tone kind of changes. I didn't think this was a very good offensive performance. Uh, The Tigers had six hits, two walks, both by Eric Haas. So, eight base runners total in this game. Eric Haas had a great game with a hit and two walks. So, three uh, of the eight men you had on base were all Eric Haas. And besides that, there was not a whole lot going for the Tigers offense. Uh Riley Green with a hit. Javi Baez with a hit. Willie Castro with a hit. And then obviously the big fella. Miguel Carrera goes two for four with the long ball. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do the rest of the offense and then we'll do Miggy. Yeah, the you know the, the biggest thing with this was just uh they The same thing we have seen so often, where it's just bad at-bats. It's just not even competitive. They're taking pitches that are strikes, and then they're swinging at pitches out of the zone. There doesn't seem to be much of a game plan. I mean, literally from Torkelson to Victor Reyes, there was one base runner. That's your five through nine hitters in a lineup. You had one base runner. Zero walks, one hit by Willie Castro unacceptable stuff you're not going to win too many ball games when that's the reality of the situation and that is why the tigers find themselves fighting to avoid an 100 loss season because that has happened quite a lot and i mean talking individually Willie, i think he's a big question mark for the future of this team ryan Kreidler, we've talked about a lot lately i think he'll be in the running for maybe a super utility infield spot but he certainly won't be an everyday starter on opening day next year at the major league level Jamer Candelario, Ofer, I think he's a very real non-tender candidate. I think that that's a very real possibility. And, I, I you know, dare I say even likely. I will have to kind of get a feeler for Scott Harris and, and this offseason and see maybe what he's thinking on, on it a little bit more. But eventually he's just going to make the decision and then we'll know what he was thinking on it. So I guess there's that. And then Victor Reyes, you know, the, the perennial fourth outfielder that we can't seem to... Uh, well, well, not that he's the perennial fourth outfielder that always ends up playing way more than a fourth outfielder should for whatever reason, because he's performing, because he's actually doing better than the people we have in the outfield because of injuries, because of missed time, whatever it may be. He always finds his his way back into a, a somewhat of at least a semi-starting role. And so we'll see if that changes this offseason going into next year as well. But, uh, I mean, this kind of... It just can't happen. You can't have the entire bottom half of your lineup just completely ineffective. And that's been the story way too many times this season. Spencer Dorgelson, 0 for 4 with two Ks. I I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. When he first got called up, he was looking really solid. And then all of a sudden, like three days ago happened. And now we're back at a point where, I, I mean, again, in this game, this is two nights in a row where he got a pretty significant amount of hangers down the middle, fastballs down the middle, whatever, and just can't do anything with them. Not great. Not great. So that's certainly the biggest thing he's got to work on is just being able to hit mistake pitches. He was doing it for a little bit, and now we're back to where we were pre-send down and and kind of where we were in the first half of the season. Just want – I said this yesterday too – just want someone – to just like consistently get better and grow throughout the season and not have this oh like are they ever going to recover moment. Huh. Okay. Uh let's talk about Miguel Cabrera. Let's talk about Miguel Cabrera. And then just kind of baseball, honestly, at the end. We will do that right after this. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another segment, our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Okay, Tigers win two to one. Miguel Cabrera with the home run, two RBIs, uh, fantastic man. Who knows how many of those we have left? You know, who knows? Who knows how many of those moments we have left in the tank? Uh, you know, man, five home runs on September twenty eighth. It's tough tough to swallow. It's tough to really accept if you were around and watching religiously during his prime, that's tough to even comprehend. And I know we're, we're, I guess, used to it is the right word. We've kind of become conditioned to just like where he is now, because the decline was so hard and the injuries were so prevalent and and the last few years have been what they are. Um, but just think about back like around when he signed the extension, just like back in the, you know, MVP years. Just being like, yeah, you know, his last couple years as a Tiger, he, like he's going to hit five home runs. It's tough. Tough to accept. Uh, tough to swallow. But not because of like any, not tough to accept because it's Miggy's fault necessarily. Just tough because I, I was a kid and I thought he was everything. He was the pinnacle of athletes, just period. He was untouchable, right? He, he was almost not real. And now we're seeing that, like, he is human. <laughs> and that's just for 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 people that are, you know, around my age and were in... I was in high school for a lot of his... Uh, his dominance, but like when he came over, you know, I was in middle school and just like seeing his whole just his whole career arc of being a Detroit Tiger and coming over and and then like the move to third. Right. That was like the big thing. And we got Prince Fielder and he had to play like third a little bit. And then he didn't end up playing that much third. But like when he did, it wasn't great. But like no one cared because he was like the Triple Crown winner and winning MVPs. And what a career, what a legend. Uh, love that man. You know, I I don't know. The counter in left field every time he does anything. I mean, sure, why not? So people seem to like it. Seems to be a cool photo op. Why not? Let's, let's... Who cares at this point? Let's just give the fans what they want. Give Miggy what he wants. Um, as far as his future with the team, you know, that's going to have to be a conversation him and Scott Harris have. I have a very hard time believing that Illich knowing the kind of money that's involved with a farewell tour and money aside, just the farewell tour that he deserves that, you know, his career is going to end in a week. I don't think that that's true, Um, but always kind of looming and always in the back of people's minds, you know, like "Eh, how close are we really to the end here? And I think next year he'll just be in a super limited role, maybe platoon against just lefties or some DH against lefties. I don't know maybe like start twice a week, once a week, who knows, you know, depends on how his body's able to hold up. But, um, that's, that's the man. That's the man forever going to have his number retired in Comerica park statue conversation, never winning a ring kind of tough to the statue argument. But at the same time, it's Miguel Cabrera, greatest tiger of a generation. Uh, one of the, what, three, undoubtedly three, Greatest Tigers hitters of all time. I don't know. Hard not to really put him in consideration there. So just, I I always like reflecting on just Miguel Cabrera as a whole, whenever we get, and it's so like, he just hit a homer in the first inning. (laughs) Like, it's not like he had a walk-off or had a crazy thing, but like, we just don't know how many home runs are left. Like genuinely, he had five this year. Like we, we, we really don't know how many of those are left. So I just I, I always like to reflect and just really appreciate the Miguel Cabrera experience and, and Miguel Cabrera the the baseball player whenever we get any flash of uh, of you know Miggy being Miggy. So uh that, I think that's kind of it for this game, to be honest. Noteworthy. We're gonna talk about it because this is a baseball show. Aaron Judge hits his sixty first home run. As I'm recording this, he has 61. I guess maybe he'll go deep again in his next step bat. Uh, but I'm recording this right after the Tigers actually right after the Red Wings game, which ended a little bit after the Tigers game. Um, so yeah, I uh I maybe he'll hit 62 tonight, but very cool moment. Um, you know, not the MLB record, should be noted, but the American League record, the Yankee record. Maris is like you know, the the three people in baseball history that have passed Maris, there's a lot of people like to put asterisks and, and you know, clauses and around them. So still just really cool to see Maris is like the benchmark for a single season home run greatness. And it forever will be because of how big of a deal it was at the time. And it's it's awesome to see. I love the game of baseball so unbelievably much and uh anytime you get a moment like that the Albert Pujols 700 last week right same thing anytime you get a a chance to witness baseball history just so pumped it's so awesome to see and I will be watching that the Giancarlo Stanton moment was my favorite to be honest with you the he kind of gave a side eye to Stanton and smiled and winked at him and then Stanton kind of shook his head and winked at him back and then he took the little cup of water. and They both filled up and gave a cheers. Stan, obviously 59 home runs, his MVP season his last year in Miami. Just really cool to see. I personally am more excited. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I'm more excited for 62 than I was 61, 61's great. And, and like he tied it and that's awesome. And that's like super cool and, and, and whatnot. But I care much more about 62 than I do 61. I I I I need I need to see him stand alone at, atop of the American League and the New York Yankee record. Is not the MLB record. Whether you like it or not, it's it's just not. Um but very cool to see. And I'm so pumped for 62. I will not, I already wasn't missing a judge at bat because of the chase to 61. I will certainly not be missing an Aaron Judge at bat the rest of the season in a contract year. Where does he rank in the greatest contract years in the history, not only of baseball, but in sports? In the history of sports, how many better contract years are there? I don't think there's many. I really don't. Very cool to see. Baseball, you are awesome. I love you so. And, uh, yeah, let's watch some more tomorrow. Day game for the Tigers tomorrow. Nice little day game. Uh, have your evening to relax a lot of you tell me like every single day you're not even watching the games anyway that's fine I do because I'm a crazy person you you enjoy your your September you don't have to subject yourself to this baseball team if you don't like to thank you for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor passion and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all I got for you. I think that's it. Yeah, go baseball, man. Go baseball. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.